Each one of us who have come to a knowledge of faith in Jesus Christ, who have recognized that we are sinners, and because we are sinners, we could never be acceptable to God, but the Lord made a way. God, in his infinite mercy, provided a way of salvation. You know the verse. If I start to say it, you'll say it with me. I'm almost certain. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This salvation is not something that is a result of our righteousness. It's not a result of any goodness on our own. It's by the washing of regeneration. It's by the renewing of the Holy Ghost. God, in his own way, has chosen to save the sinner who repents of his sin and trusts in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. And that person passes from death unto life. That person is translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. And when we come into the family of God, we are changed. We become new creatures. And when we become new creatures, we are different than other people, or even different than we were before. A Christian has changed. If any man be in Christ, Paul tells us, he is a new creature. All things pass away. Behold, all things have become new. That's true. But you know, there's an awful lot of things in the Bible where it tells us, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, still... We are taught through the Bible, through the writings of the apostles, through the, through the words of the Lord Jesus Christ himself, we are told that there are things that we are supposed to do once we have been saved, once we have been justified, once we have been adopted into the family of God, we have been predestined unto the good works that we're to walk in. Paul, in writing to Timothy, is giving us things to do. Not, not to merit eternal life, not to be saved, but because we are saved. And this life this changed life is not similar whatever to the lives of the people who are round about us. Now, there is a name for this. The word is called separation. The word is the word holiness. The word sanctification all have the same idea but the English word that we understand today quite clearly is separation. Christians are supposed to be separate. I uh, pulled out one verse out of all that I've read to you this evening, and that is verse number 21, and it says, If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. So this text uses the word purge. Purge means to clean. Uh, I can remember when I had a car's years ago. Cars years ago are not like cars today. You have to understand that. 
There's a lot of things that we did to cars years ago that we never do anymore. How many of you people have ever had a carbon and valve job done on a car? A carbon and valve job. You had to take the engine apart. You had to scrape all the carbon out from the top of the pistons and the cylinder heads and the valves and you run valves. I've had cars with over 150,000 miles on them and never had to do a carbon and valve job. But one of the things we also used to do with the cooling system, they would call it purging. You would have to purge the cooling system. Why? Because a lot of rust would get inside the engine and in the radiator. And when all this rust built up in there, you know what? Your car's overheated. Never had that happen in all of my modern cars. They just don't happen. Well, firstly, you have antifreeze in it all year long. That's a rust preventative. But you see, as a Christian, things have a tendency to build up in our lives. And Paul is admonishing these Christians to purge. In 1 Corinthians, in chapter 5, and verse 7, he says, Purge out, therefore, the old lump, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Paul here is talking about sexual sin. There was a big problem in the church of Corinth. If you read the earlier part of the chapter, you'll recognize that there was a man in the assembly who was having an affair with his father's wife. It's not explained any further than that. We can make all kinds of conclusions in our own mind whether this was incestual or whether it was a second wife or it was a woman that had belonged to his father in the first place and they were divorced. And there's a lot of things here, but the point is, regardless, this man was having this immoral relationship and the church were shrugging their shoulders and looking the other way, and they were doing nothing about it. Now, now, you have to read the whole chapter to understand this, and obviously I can't do all of that tonight, but this idea is to get rid of, because sin is something that permeates. Sin is something that grows, and he uses the term of leaven. If you ever baked, you know about leaven. Yeast is leaven. And you will put yeast into dough. And you know what? The thing grows like it grows immensely. And that's why you can get white bread that, you know, there's almost nothing in it because they blew it up so much. He said, purge out the leaven. Get rid of the sin. A church of Jesus Christ should not have things like that in it. So we're talking about separation. I have a number of things I'd like to talk to you about in this portion that we read and a few others afterwards. Though I'll talk first the purging of separation. He says we are to purge ourselves from these. Look in verse 15 to 18. He says to study, to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, but shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness, and their word will eat as doth a canker, a cancer of whom is Timonius and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, 
saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some. Separate yourselves from error. There is much error rampant today in what has come to be known as a church. Many false doctrines are being spread about. Christians are supposed to know the difference between truth and error. We are not to allow even politic, political correctness to cause us to wander away from the truth. There are many things, and I, I could go down a long list of things that are being spread today, and they're not true. All religions are fine. All religions are but another way to God. The picture is being drawn of a big wheel and many spokes running from the circumference of the wheel into the center. And they say all of these spokes are various, different religions, but they're all leading to the same place. And that if we are sincere, in what we believe, that's all that matters. Might I suggest to you, if that were true, the Lord Jesus Christ would have stayed in heaven. Bethlehem would never have taken place, and the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary would not have been necessary. Because all we would need is sincerity. Islam would be fine, Buddhism would be fine, homosexuality would be fine. Many of these other things, well, they're all okay. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes unto the Father but by me. Knocks the wheel apart. There's only one way for a sinful man to come to God. That's through the cross of Christ, through the blood that we shed. We have to purge ourselves. We have to understand. There are a lot of things in political thought, too. And I'm not going to do that with you tonight. But there are many truths. There are many things that are being disseminated as truth. It says, purge ourselves from error. Look in verse 19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. We are to separate ourselves from iniquity. What is iniquity? A little three-letter word, sin. Sin should not play a part in the life of a believer. Now, I know. I, knew, I know that we live in a sinful body. I know that we are in the flesh, and I know that there is a propensity to sin. Would you look with me just quickly in Romans in chapter 7? Verse 18. Paul is writing this and he says, For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not, the evil which I would not that I do. But now, if I do that which I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. And I find a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Yeah. 
I don't think we have to be saved very long before we recognize this matter of sin being there. But we have to not use that as an excuse to sin. All too often we do that. All too often we shrug our shoulders and say, well, you know, I'm human. I'm weak. These things happen. But there is a way. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When sin enters in, it must be dealt with, and it must be dealt with quickly. It must be confessed. Because when the Lord Jesus Christ hung on the cross, when the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross as he hung, one of the words he uttered was, Father, forgive them. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. There is forgiveness in Jesus Christ if we are in his family. And what we must do when we find these things in our life, confess. Confess it immediately. Separate yourself from it. Don't make excuses for it. All too often we do that. All, all, all too often we have a bad temper. We blow our stack. We throw things. We get in a situation where we use very strong language, which we normally would not do. And then when we're called on it, we say, well, that's the way I am. It's not the way we are. God does not want his children to be like that. But when we do it, we confess it, and we tell God, I sinned. I have a temper problem. Or a drinking problem. Or a smoking problem. Or a some other kind of a problem that people get into. When we confess our sins, he's faithful just to forgive us our sins. And you know what? We find there's victory. There's victory in confession. There's victory in recognizing and not making excuses for it. We separate ourselves from it. And then look in verse number 22. Verse 22 says, flee also youthful lusts. Follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Youthful lusts. A lot of things can fall into this category. But I would just like to say, the Lord Jesus Christ, when he was talking, and you remember when he brought the little child he brought the child in before them, and he says, unless you become as a little child, you shall in no wise enter the kingdom of heaven. The way into heaven is a childlike spirit. One of the things about chi uh, children is belief. They believe mommy. They believe daddy. They, be they believe that their father, their mother would not lie to them, and if they say something, it it's accepted. That's childlike. But there is another thing, and that's called childish. If we're to be childlike, we're not supposed to be childish. Can you think of some of the frailties of children? Selfishness. Talk about the terrible twos. Only one word in their vocabulary, and it has only has two letters in it. No. Am I right? No. You say, do this? No. Childish. Childish. Youthful lust. We are not supposed to be childish when it comes to the things of God. We're not supposed to be selfish. And then he goes on to enumerate some of the things instead of the childishness. It says, 
that we should follow righteousness, faith, charity, and peace. And then he says, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. You know what I read into this? We belong in church. We belong with those of like faith. As we identify ourselves with others in the family of God, and we recognize that we have this bond together, and isn't it true that we have a closer bond with those in the Christian family than we have with natural family and people who are outside of Christ, people who are not born again, and they just don't seem to understand. They don't understand where we're coming from or that we're somehow or other fanatical about this whole thing. We belong together. We belong with each other. And you know what? We grow in grace. We grow in faith. We grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ as we spend time with, with the believing Christians. We spend time. Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday morning worship services, the prayer meeting on, Wednesday, uh, on Sunday night, this tonight, this service. The more time we spend together with God's people, you know what? The more we have victory in our lives. And this, this matter of separation. I'm just going to jump down one more in verse 23. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid knowing that they do gender strife. We are to separate ourselves from ignorance. You know, one of the problems of childishness We always feel that we're right and the other guy's wrong. And it's all too easy to see imperfections in our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we always feel that we have grown just a little bit more than they have. And we can look down our spiritual noses at them. It's ignorance. It's ignorance of our Christian walk. It's ignorance of actually understanding what separation is about. We're not supposed to separate ourselves from each other. We're supposed to separate ourselves, and I've, there's these things that I've listed, from error, from iniquity, from lust, and from ignorance. And then it says in verse 21, if a man purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor. This is referring back to the verse, uh, verse before that, where Paul is talking a little bit of a parable he throws in here, where he says, In a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. And he's drawing a picture, and I sort of remember talking to you about this at some other time. But, you know, I think we can all understand what it's like in, in a house where you have the good china and you have the good silver and you have the good linen and you have all of this stuff, but then you go into the kitchen and you find you have other things. Uh, you find, you know, there are cast iron pots or pans or there, my, my, my mother-in-law had a wooden bowl do you remember this? I think I, I think I said this here. She had a wooden bowl that she used to chop liver in. Uh, she also chopped egg salads and things like this, but my mind is on chopped liver because if there's one thing I don't like, it's chopped liver. Marilyn loves it. Her mother loved it. We have a restaurant up in Middletown, and one of the things they have in their salad bar is chopped liver. But I say a vessel unto dishonor. A vessel, unto, a vessel that is used to chop liver. Now, how, how do you want to be used by God? A vessel unto honor? 
a vessel unto dishonor. A vessel that God can use, uh, God can use for his honor and his glory, or a vessel they're going to chop liver in. We can, by separating ourselves from these things, we can be someone that God will honor, that God will use. Look quickly with me, Matthew in chapter 6. Verse 24, the Lord Jesus is speaking these words. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount. And you've heard this many times, but it says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else... He will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. A vessel unto honor is a vessel that God can use to accomplish his plan and his purpose in your life. Then we have something here, the purpose, the purpose of separation. Before... I uh, do this one. Let's take a trip with me back into Isaiah and the 52nd chapter, the 11th verse. Isaiah writes, Depart ye, depart ye, go ye out from thence, touch no unclean thing, Go ye out of the midst of her, be ye clean. Be ye clean that bear the vessels of the Lord. It's an admonition to the priests, but you know what? We today, we believe in the priesthood of the believer. We don't need somebody to come to God for us because we can come to God directly. And so it says here that we are to be meet, acceptable for the master's use. It's in verse 21. If a man therefore purge himself from these things, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use. We can. We can, as Christians, make ourselves qualified for God to use us. Can I give you another verse? Look in Romans in chapter 12. Verses 1 and 2. Paul writes, I beseech you, and that's a strong word. We might say, I beg you. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So many times we ask, what is God's will for my life? What does God want me to do? Particularly younger people. Particularly younger people as they're trying to figure out what their life will be like. What school should I go to? What man or what woman should I marry? There are a lot of heavy questions, particularly in teenage and young adult years. And you know, there's no place in the Bible, you know, God called me to preach, and I could go through all the pages and I could never find... <coughs> where God said, Ray Nielsen, you're going to be a pastor, and you're going to pastor Woodhaven Baptist Church for 20 years. It doesn't say that. 
But you, but you know what? As we come to him, he does guide our lives. And we don't hear the voice of God speaking like, you know, there are some people that said, God spoke to me and said, God does not speak with audible voice. And there is no gift of prophecy in our churches today where some churches have that. A gift of prophecy or a gift of knowledge. And somebody says, you know, I have a word of knowledge that this is something that you're going to have to do. Uh, one, of, one of the big things, and I'm going to do this quickly, I hope. A number of years ago, Maybe you remember Pat Robertson, the one who is in charge of Christian Broadcasting Network. A number of years ago, there was a word of knowledge going out that he was going to be the President of the United States. And he disassociated himself from Christian Broadcasting. And he did a certain amount of preliminary uh, politicking whatever they do to get the nomination. If it was a word of knowledge, believe me, Pat Robertson would have been president of the United States. But look down the list, he never was, was he? But there are these people who have these words of prophecy and these words of knowledge, and then they put an awful lot of credence in it and only find out it wasn't the word of God anyway. There's a verse in Deuteronomy, and since I haven't looked it up, and this is off the top of my head, but there's a ver verse in Deuteronomy that says, if the prophet speaks, and the word that the prophet sp uh, speaks, and the word of the Lord, and that thing does not come to pass, God has not spoken. So when p these people say these things, right? But as we present our bodies to him, as we commit ourselves to him, as we spend time in his word, he directs our lives. He shows us what we should do. He tells us clearly. And then of course, then of course, as we spend time in church and the pastor preaches, and you learn from Sunday school, you learn from other things, somehow or other you start to understand. God wants me to do this. God has a certain plan for my life. Everybody's not going to be a preacher. Everybody's not going to be a preacher's wife. Everybody's not going to sing in a choir. Everybody's not going to teach a Sunday school class. But you know what? God has a plan for your life. As you're faithful, you start to find out what that plan is. You'd be meet. You'd be acceptable for the master's use. The purpose of separation is to make us acceptable. And then I have one last one, the product of separation. What's the outcome of it? Look in 21. It says... If a man purge himself of these things, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, meet for the master's use, and finally prepared unto every good work. The result of personal separation is service. It's service that's evaluated in the eyes of the Lord as good. Can you remember some of the parables the Lord Jesus spoke? And at the end, he spoke to the people and he said, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. We're told that even a glass of cold water given in the name of the Lord will not go without notice. Or reward. There are a lot of things that we can do as Christians. It's not always the things that you think about as religious. There are a lot of things that we can do that we can be helpful, that we can encourage.
but certainly every single one of us, every single one of us should be able and willing to share our faith, to share our faith, to let other people know. Do you know what the Great Commission is? I'm sure you do. The Great Commission was given by the Lord Jesus Christ to his disciples before he ascended into heaven. This was after the, after the crucifixion, after the resurrection, but those 40 days after the resurrection, he met with his disciples, he met with people, not on a regular basis like he had been before, but before he ascended, he gave a commission, and it's recorded in each one of the Gospels, and it's recorded in the book of Acts in a different way, but I'm just going to tell you the one that's in Matthew, and it says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. We are to be witnesses. Paul in 2 Corinthians says that we're ambassadors. We're ambassadors for Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ tells us that we are to shine, to let our light so shine before men that they will see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. God's people are to be different. We're to be superior and we're to be a contrast to the lost world. But the difference, the difference comes from this personal separation, separation from error, from evil, from these appetites of the flesh and ignorance. This separation is beneficial and it will cause your service, your service to God to be effective and powerful. Final question, are you separated? Are you separated to God? Will you let God have his way in your life? Before I conclude, I have only one thing I want to say because this message of mine has been assuming that I'm talking to everybody that is a believer that you have acknowledged your sin, you've come to Jesus Christ and repented of your sin, and acknowledged the fact that Christ died for your sins. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried, he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And do you know, based on the word of God, that you have eternal life, that your sins have been forgiven, this message was for you. The problem that I have is because I don't know everybody, because I'm not sure what your walk with God is, there's a possibility that you're here and you're not in God's family. You're here, but you do not have any assurance from God's word that your sins have been forgiven. And you do not know that you have everlasting life. And if this life were to end and you were to die, that you'd be in heaven. I'm sorry I didn't include a lot of that in this message, but I'm going to include it in the invitation. And so I'm going to ask everyone, would you please bow your heads, close your eyes. I'd like to ask some personal questions here. And because I don't know you, I trust that you'll be patient with me and I'm not trying to be nosy. But if you know for certain that your sins are forgiven, that you are a saved person, that you're in the family of God, and that if you were to die suddenly, that your home would be in heaven, and you know that based on God's word, would you raise your hand? Would you do that for me? 
Raise your hand, please. I mean, I, okay, thank you. Just hold them up a minute. I, because I can't see everybody all at once. Okay, fine. You put your hands down. Now, I recognize that there are varied reasons why people do not raise their hand in response to an invitation. But if you could not raise your hand because you're not sure, because, but you'd like to be sure, and you would like to know what God's Word says about eternal life, about forgiveness of sins, would you like to raise your hand I'd like, yes, okay, fine, I see that hand. I see that, yes. Okay, you can put it down. Put it down, please. I'd like to talk to you for a moment, those who did raise their hand. This is what church is all about. This is why Open Door Bible Baptist Church is here. This is why Jesus died on the cross, because God loves you. God cares very much for you. If you were the only person alive, the only person in the world, God would have sent his son to die for you. He loves you that much. I'm going to ask, as we conclude with, with an, a, another part of an invitation, but if you've raised your hand, I'd like to ask you to come forward. I'd like to talk to you as we sing an invitation hymn. Now to the rest of you, you know that you're in the family of God. You know that your sins are forgiven. We talked about a special kind of a life for God. We talked about a life of separation, a separation from sin, a separation from error, a separation from, from, from lusts and ignorance. So a separation so that we could honor God with our lives and that he could use us. I'm just wondering, would you like to raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me? I would like very much that my life would be one of separation, one that God could use, one that I would be a blessing in this church. Yes, I see that. I, uh, yes, I, I do see the hands. Praise the Lord. Yes, okay. Please, okay. I am going to pray for you. I, 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 would, I would like you to do one more thing. When Pastor comes back, I'd like to tell uh, you to tell him that you made a commitment tonight that you want your life to count for God, that you want your life to be separated unto him. Would you tell him? I trust that you will. I'm going, to pray. I'm going to pray now, and our brother Ted is going to lead us in a, in a hymn of invitation. If anybody wants to come forward and use the altar as a time of prayer, this is the time to do that. If you raise your hand and you're not sure of your salvation, you'd like to spend some time with me, and I'll spend it with you in the Word of God, would you come forward at this time? We're going to pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity that we've had tonight to share the Word of God. Lord, we know that you've spoken to people's hearts tonight, and we're thankful for that. And we pray, Lord, that you'll continue to use each one of us, that we might shine as lights in a dark place, and that the gospel of Jesus Christ might go forth in this corner of New York City, a city that needs the gospel so much, and there are so few places where it is actually taught. And so, Lord, just bless. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The hymn of invitation tonight will be 506. Let's all stand. 506. We'll open the altar now. You don't have to wait until we start singing. The Lord spoke into your heart. Take up thy cross and follow me. I heard my master say, I gave my life to ransom thee. Surrender.
piano continue to play. There's still time to come up and pray if you need to. Pray for these that are up here. Hold them in prayer. Pray for the one up in front. I think it's been a long time since someone got the gospel on a Thursday night, so. Amen. Let's sing that third. It may be through the shadows dim or Take my cross and follow him wherever he leadeth me. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Wherever he leads, I'll go. I'll follow my Christ who me so wherever he leads I'll go let's sing that last my heart my life my all I bring to Christ who loves me so he is my master Lord and King wherever being dealt with in the front for salvation, so please pray. I know we like to have a nice, neat, and tidy invitation, but let's extend it. Let, let the Lord work. We can rejoice greatly here tonight if the Lord does His work.
Let's do that chorus one more time. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Brother Nielsen, continue up front. You can have a seat. Amen. I wanted to uh, just make sure we had enough time for the invitation. And uh, thank you for being patient. Um, <clears throat> we're running a little late, but uh, we have to do, I think, some vacuuming and some things tonight. Um, if you're not sure there's a worker's schedule you might have been put down um, so stay after and we'll do some vacuuming some things try to get out uh, at a reasonable time but uh, uh, yeah we're, we're called to be doers of the word also amen so uh, I guess we'll we'll close with the uh, benediction song um, again Saturday we have a, a visitation time and uh, we'll be going to 36th Street. I think because everything's going to be set up at that booth, why don't we just set it? If you usually come to visitation and you'll, you'll be available Saturday, we'll meet at, the, at 36th Street where the uh, street fair is. I'm going to be setting up early with Brother Shaw, so uh, I think that would be the best bet. That way we don't have to worry about stopping here and then going all the way. Uh, over to where the street fair is, but it's going to be on uh, 36th Avenue. I'm sorry, between I think it, it goes the length between I think Steinway and 31st Streets. Uh, so if you can make it, it'd be a, it'd be a good opportunity to reach some people. All right, let's uh, stand. We'll we'll sing our song of benediction. Take the name of Jesus with you. 705, if you need it. Take the name of Jesus with you. Child of sorrow and of woe, it will joy and comfort give you. Take it then where you go. Precious name, oh how sweet. Hope of earth and joy of heaven. Precious name, oh how sweet. Hope of earth and joy of heaven. Thank you and good night.